Paving the Way with Prayer is Dr. Joel Hunter's sermon series. His third message will deal with the subject, Preparation in Prayer, Sounding. From the New American Standard, Dr. Hunter has chosen the first chapter of Luke, verses 39 through 56, as his scripture text, and it reads as follows. Now at this time, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a city of Judah, and entered the house of Zacharias, and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice, and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is he who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. And behold, from this time on, all generations count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in their thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. And Mary stayed with her about three months and then returned to her home. One of the great things, as you've noticed over the last several weeks, that we get to do each week during this Advent season is hear yet another part, another segment in the story of the Incarnation. This morning, J.T. Allman and his family are going to come and uh, tell you that part of the story. As Vernon said, I'm J.T. My wife, LaDonna, Claire, Nathan, and John Thomas. From John 6.25 and Mark 14.15, the word says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear it shall live. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And in the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which shall be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory, Glory to, to God, God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And they came in haste and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. Luke's account of the shepherds and the angels shows us how to celebrate Christmas. The shepherds' first reaction to the heavenly hosts was fear and trembling. The shepherds are in a surrounding of Santas and reindeers, pastel angels and jingle bells. We must be careful not to forget the awesome power of this God we worship. Upon hearing that a Savior was born for them, the shepherds made haste to come into his presence. Let us do the same. When they saw him, they made known the statement which had been told them. 
and all who heard were amazed. Let us amaze someone with the saving truth of what Christmas truly is. Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Let us set aside some time between shopping and working, baking and organizing, to ponder. Ponder the Savior infant in the manger. Ponder what he has done for you in your own life. And ponder who he is. Give him time to let him reveal himself to you this Advent, so that you may fully rejoice with the angels. And like the shepherds, you will leave this Christmas season glorifying and praising God for all that you have heard and seen. Let us pray. Gracious Father, give us the courage to take time out of our schedules and still believe that our worlds will not collapse. Give us the humility to, the humility to understand that if we don't take time out with you, we will collapse. Help us to sing to the world, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. Amen. Um, I apologize for the, uh, for the, all of the stuff. I know some of you may not be able to see because of the, of the uh, uh, things. I'll move around a little bit, but uh, when you can't see me, you're not missing much. So just pretend you're listening to a radio preacher, all right? Um, let me ask you if you have your scriptures with you to turn to the first chapter of Luke. And while we're doing that, let me explain to you where we are. This message is a part of a 10-year journey towards spiritual maturity that will result some 20 or 25 years from now in a Christian society within a society. And as God has given us a glimpse of what that's going to look like, the only appropriate response for us, the appropriate initial response for us, is prayer. And so we have been calling in these last three weeks this congregation to a period of prayer and asking you during your week to pay special attention to your prayer life with the Lord. And the way we've done that is we've looked back at the original Christmas story, the anticipation of God coming among His people in a new way. And we have said, you know, let's take some of those qualities that are recorded in Scripture and adopt them into our own lives. And you remember two weeks ago, we talked about Zacharias. Zacharias, who was very much like we are, that when he gets a glimpse of something, he feels like it's his job to run out and do it or to nail it down somehow. And, and God just had him cool his jets. said, Zacharias, you know what? You're, uh, um, you're just being too anxious about this thing. You need to be quiet for a while. And so that's what he was, quiet for the entire gestation period of his son, John the Baptist. Couldn't talk. Well, God says to us in the same way, you need to learn to be silent. Prayer is just not what you say to me. Prayer is being silent before me. It is listening for me. And so you need to have included in your prayer life just a time of silence. And last week we talked about when you hear from God in your prayer life, when you sense his presence, how important it is to be able to say along with Mary, behold, the servant of the Lord. Be it done to me according to your word. To have that attitude of submission is so important. Now, this week, we're going to pick up the story where we left off last week in verse 39, and I will read to you uh, about another quality that should not be difficult for us because most of us are good talkers, but for some reason is very difficult for us, both in uh, spirit and in behavior. And that is the quality of being able to speak about what God is doing. Now, it says that at this time, after Mary had committed herself uh, in faith to have the Christ child, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country to a city of Judah. Now, this is about a hundred mile journey. Not a easy thing for a woman newly uh, pregnant. And so this was a very, very large effort on Mary's part. And it says, And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Wouldn't have done any good to greet Zacharias because he couldn't have talked to any of him. So she greeted Elizabeth. No. Greeted Elizabeth. And it came about that when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, 
the baby leaped in her womb. Now, let me give you the natural setting here, and then I'll give you the spiritual setting. The natural setting is, I don't know, you women who were pregnant, if you ever recall a time when a loud crash happened and the baby moved, you know, the baby jumped because the baby heard the crash. Well, um, this baby is used to a lot of quiet. John the Baptist uh, made up for lost time after he got out, but when he was, when he was in there, uh, he was used to a lot of quiet because not only was the dad quiet, you know, and some of you wives say out there go, man, my dad or my, my husband could be Zacharias easy. I'd never get anything out of him. But not only was the dad quiet, never said anything at the house, but it says after these days, in verse 24, after these days, after Elizabeth learned she was pregnant, she kept herself in seclusion for five months. So it would have been at least a month plus five months. She hasn't talked to anybody until Mary gets there. And Mary comes in and gives the greeting. Now, the natural explanation is John the Baptist is in there, kind of listening, go, man, it's quiet. And then he jumps. Now, let me give you what happens spiritually because it tells us exactly what happens. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, you remember previously... It had said that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit even when he was in his mother's womb. Now Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And look at what she says. She cried out with a loud voice saying, Blessed among uh, women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Those of you who were raised Catholic will recognize that as the Hail Mary. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And it says, And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Now, how did she know that she was the mother of her Lord? It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to tell her. That was a supernatural piece of information. She had just to get directly from God. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb... I'm, I'm sorry. The baby leaped in my womb... Look at these last two words. For joy. So not only was John the Baptist able to receive sound, he was able to receive some sort of understanding, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and his mother could interpret that leap as to what it really was, spiritually speaking. All right, And then it says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So she honored Mary for her faith. Um, now we get to the Magnificat. And, and as much of a temptation it is for me to go verse by verse through this wonderful uh, passage of Scripture, I'm not going to do it because I want to bring out three rather brief points, and then I want to have a little bit more congregational participation than we usually have. That's why those microphones are in the aisle. I want to talk about how important it is this morning to be able to speak about what God is doing, to be able to actually give voice to His glory. Because that's the paradigm we follow this morning with Mary. Mary, it says, said this, My soul exalts the Lord, or magnifies the Lord. I like the word magnifies better. My, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Now what does, you Presbyterians, the Westminster Confession of Faith say the purpose, the chief end of man is? Chief end of man, it says, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, right? That's exactly what the first two lines of the Magnificat are. My soul magnifies, exalts, and the word also means in Greek, glorifies. The word in Greek, by the, word, by the way, is megaluni. You can, you can kind of colloquialize that and, and remember it by saying, Lord, I'm much crazy about you. Megaluni. That's the Greek. Now you know Greek. Lord, I'm crazy nuts in love with you. Megaluni about you. All right? My soul magnifies what? The Lord. The attention is on God. And my spirit rejoices. This is, this is typical parallel Hebrew poetry uh, whereby it repeats the theme. And my spirit rejoices. She's just glorified God and now she's enjoying Him. All right? Now, why is it important to understand that she is actually speaking this out loud? I want to tell you something very important in your spiritual lives because Americans aren't very good at this and Americans need to get better at it. We have confused the terms personal and private. It's very important to have a personal faith. It is not good to have a private faith. 
Those are two different things. Our faith was given to us to share. Our voices were given to us to use in the service of God. And God has made an entire universe with the being that has sound, that speaks, that communicates. Being made in the image of God means we can communicate with Him. We have that relationship. And the way we have a relationship with one another is to communicate. There is something special happens in your life when you speak about God. And I can't explain exactly what it is. I know that this world was made by speech. Genesis 1 says, And God said, Let there be, and there was. The world was created by speech. And I know that our speech creates something that is substantive enough for us to be held accountable. Because Scripture says we are judged by every word that proceeds from our mouth. So the words that we say are very, very, very important. As a matter of fact, they are so important and so substantive that we can't, according to Romans 10, 9, and 10, be saved without speaking it, without communicating it. Look at what it says. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. See, both are necessary. You can't just say it. You've got to have belief, but you can't just believe it either. You've got to say it. Look at what it says in the next verse. It says exactly the same thing. For with the heart, man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. You see, speech is very important. When Jesus saw the vision of the church, he saw it in what Peter said. Who do you say that I am? I say that you are Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, on that, I'll build my church. It was the spoken proclamation of who Jesus was and what God was doing in the world. It was the recognition of where God was happening in the world, you see? And it was a, it was a gentle thing of being able to set ourselves aside and focus on Him and speak about Him. So speaking is very important. And it's very important that we speak praise. You know why? Because praise is accurate theology. Praise puts God exactly where He deserves to be and us exactly where we deserve to be. Praise gives the big picture and focuses on God instead of just on how God has affected us. Praise is a quality of testimony that is so important because there's just a little nuance of difference. But it's a very important nuance. And let me give you an example. Let's say that you have a daughter of dateable age. Okay, now this is tough for me because we have uh, three, three boys. But say you have a daughter who's old enough to date. Say 31, 32 years old. Okay. Yeah, all the dads are applauding. All right. Now, say she is dating an individual and you have the opportunity, have the opportunity to talk to that individual. And you, very forthrightly, say, why would you like to date my daughter? Why do you want to date my daughter? Now, if he doesn't just freak out and run out of the room, you know, because he's so intimidated by Dad asking that. And by the way, Dad, you should ask that. Yeah, should. You should. And by the way, son, you ought to ask for the parent's permission to date the daughter. You know what? Listen, you should. Because it's so, I mean, that gets you off on the right foot. But, but, but let, I, I'm, I'm going to get lost. I, just don't let me go down that trail. So you're waiting for this answer, and, and, and he goes down one track or the other track. And the one track is this. Well, I'll tell you why I want to date her. She just makes me feel great. I mean, I mean whenever she thinks I'm hungry, she, she always lets me in front of her in, in line, and, and no matter how rough a day she's had, she's always wanting to listen to me, and, and, and you know, um, it doesn't matter what her life is like, she, she wants to give me a foot rub or, or, or whatever, you know? Well, if I was a dad, I'd be a little careful there. Let me give you another, another response. The other response is, are you kidding? This woman is incredible. I mean, I have seen her 
always put other people first. I have seen her out of practically all money, but she gave what she had to her friends who needed money. I don't see generosity like that anymore. She is so patient. She is so sensitive. I have seen her go through the roughest of times, but she's always willing to listen to other people instead of talk about how bad she has it. She has incredible qualities. Anybody would be crazy not to want to date her. What a person. Now there you got somebody. There you got a valid candidate. Why? Because he's concentrating on her character and not how she makes him feel. Now, there's nothing wrong with saying, boy, she makes me feel great. But you haven't quite got the mature relationship there that you're hoping for. Well, carry that up a level to God. And carry it up a level to your testimony of God. What is your testimony of God and how do you glorify God? Do you say, I'll tell you why I believe in God. Because He's already ready to help me out. Because He's rescued me. Because, because He's always willing to give me peace. Because um, He told me I don't have to worry about hell if I believe. I, I like that. I don't want to worry about hell. Well, that's one level, see? But the more mature level is because of who He is. God is gracious and loving and kind. You'd have to be crazy not to love God. You'd have to be silly. I love Him because of who He is. That's the mature response. And that's what praise and glory to God do. Jonathan Edwards used to say, you know what, you can tell a mistaken believer, he called them false believers, because they are willing to talk about God when you bring it up, but they're only willing to talk about God as what their experience has been or what their opinion is. He said a true believer just wants to talk about God for his qualities and who he is. Now that is a tremendous difference. Let me tell you the difference of effect that that has on your life. When we praise God for who he is, when we see what he's doing in the world, not only for us, but for everybody, because that's what it takes. You, you recognize, of course, that Mary starts out the Magnificat saying, the mighty one has shown favor to me, but she places herself in an incidental position. The, the, what God is doing is essential, but she's saying, I can't believe the grace and the favor. Just incidentally, he has shown to me. By the way, it used to be that with scientific discoveries. That scientists believed that God wanted the world to have the ideas and God just happened to speak the ideas to them so that God got the glory. Uh, Samuel Morris, was, uh, who, who, invited, who invented the telegraph, um, said that. He said, I prayed all my way through this and I believe that God wanted the world to have this form of communication and so he had to reveal it to somebody and he just picked me for some reason. And that's why the first message on the telegraph was, what hath God wrought? See? He was giving the glory to God. So, let's get back to this. You see it in the big picture. When you don't see it in the big picture, when you just see, well, this is, when you keep it in your private little world, you just say, well, this is what God does in my life, if you, are, if you recognize it at all. It's a very distorted picture because you don't have the balance of hearing it from other people or saying it. Um, and, and it comes out kind of abstract and you can't quite get a hold of it. It's kind of like the old joke I heard about uh, Pablo Picasso. Most of you know who Picasso was. He was an abstract uh, painter. And, and uh, there's an old joke about him uh, coming home one night and there's a, a burglar in his house. And uh, so he looks at the burglar and the burglar looks at him and the burglar runs out of the house and he calls the police and the police come over and, and said, did you see him? He said, yeah. And he said, well, can you describe him? And Pablo says, well, I can draw a rough sketch. And on the basis of that sketch, they arrested a nun, a washing machine, and the Eiffel Tower, you know? <laughs> when we just have God in our own mind talk about our perceptions of God, that's kind of what it looks like, you know? Because we haven't got the whole picture. We're talking about what He's doing in our life, but we haven't talked about what He's doing in our life with everybody so that they can share what He's doing in their life and they'll get a more realistic picture. And the third reason that we need to praise God, to say it out loud, is because of what it does for the body. What, he, what it does for other people. I'm telling you, you know this and I know this, most people live in the absolute pits. They believe that life is cruel, and if we can just get through it, 
You know, then we die. You know, it's just most people go around depressed all the time. One of the most the, the most uh, uh, well-read and best-selling books in America, M. Scott Peck's The Road Less Traveled, starts out with this sentence. Life is a series of problems. Now, the first time I saw that, I thought, boy, that's profound. But then on second thought, I thought, no, that's depressing. Who wants to live life as a series of problems? Now, there are problems in life. But for the believer, they're not really problems. They're developments. You see, life is a series of God's developments in your life. And when you see that, and when you can praise Him for what He's doing, when you can see that God is developing you in a certain area, then it's a whole different picture. Otherwise, you go around depressed. You go around living in the pits. I heard a joke one time about a guy who was who had just gotten his office redone. And... Uh, he, he came home and he was sore every night. His, his wife said, what's, what's up? He said, I don't know. He said, the office redecorated, but I don't know why that would do anything. And, and so one night he came home and he had this big sheepish grin on his face. She said, uh, what's up? He said, well, I discovered why I'm sore all the time. She said, why? He said, well, I had my office redone in this ultra-modern furniture. And I just discovered that for the last two weeks I've been sitting in the wastebasket. Listen, most people spend their life in the wastebasket. They do. They just, that's not where they're supposed to be. There's something about human nature. You know, go clear back to paradise. We could eat of every tree in the garden. Which one did we pick? The one that got us into trouble. We can have an array of everything God is doing in our life. And what do we concentrate on? The worst area. The one where God is molding us, the problem area, and most of us say it's a problem and not a development. It's human nature to do that. What curbs that is when you hear other people say, no, God's active. God is shown up here. God is working in the world. Let me tell you what he's done in this life and in my life and what I see happening in this circumstance and what some of the possibilities are for you. There's a whole different perspective in that. And we need to open our mouth and be able to share that with one another. So, let's just have a little test run here. Now, we can't be at this too long because we've got some of the rest of the service, so, so keep it short. But I would like to know if there's anybody brave enough to just go to the microphone and, and talk about what, just briefly, what God what they've seen God do either in your life or in the world recently, and you want to glorify God because of it. Who'd be brave enough to start us off? Go ahead. Go ahead. And then come. you just line up. Line up and then I'll, I'll cut you off when it's time. Morning. Um, I'm 18 and I'm a um, freshman in college. And I have a friend, Chad, that's a year older than I was. And the year that, um, the summer before he went to college, I'll never forget him telling me that one of the greatest things that he discovered was that God was so faithful to him. And let me tell you how much I've learned that in the last semester. (laughs) Um, They're not kidding when they say the first semester in college is your toughest. And they're not kidding when you have to battle clinical depression as well. Um, And that's what I'm doing right now. But let me tell you, I'm hyper as anything at the moment because I'm happy now because I'm getting help and because I have a lot of support. And I um, just went and into therapy right before Thanksgiving and I'm already doing so much better because God has provided this support. I have a boyfriend that is so wonderful. You would think that a 21-year-old guy would not stick around through um, the kind of things that I've been doing you wouldn't even understand. I've been awful. Um, And he's stuck around. And I praise God that he has done that. I, I see God's love in that. I see God's love through my parents. Um, I complained at him this morning because they kept me awake last night because they were talking. But you know what they were talking about? What's the best thing for Jenny? Where should Jenny go now? Um, I'm, things are working out. I didn't think I'd be able to stay in my home very well. Um, I'm doing that. I've moved back. I'm going to go to UCF, and that's, that's working out great for me. Um, God's just working everything out for me in his timing and in his plan. He's not giving me anything more than I can bear at one time. And he is so faithful, and it's just... It's absolutely a miracle. The other night, um, this week, I wasn't here for Thanksgiving, and I've been listening to 
or I had gotten Joel's sermon tape on silence, and I listened to it twice this week because I've been driving out to Lakeland to go to school. Fabulous. If y'all haven't heard it, listen to it. It is so right. Because, let me tell you something. Because the other night, I was so upset. I was so upset the other night. I was getting so irritated. I was tired. I couldn't deal with anything. I said, I'm leaving this house by myself right now. Don't anybody come talk to me. I'm walking down the street, and I was just silent. And let me tell you, God spoke to me. And it was the neatest experience of my entire life. Because he just said, Jen, look at all those stars up there. I made them, and I made you. You have potential, and I have a great plan for you. And I'm going to I'm going to get you through this. I'm going to carry you through this. This will end. Um, you know, your little sister that you're irritated with right now, I gave her to you to bring you happiness, and I gave you to her to bring her happiness. And let me tell you, I remembered that the next few days, that God was with me, and it's helped a lot. He is so faithful. Don't ever forget it. Don't give up on God, because He ain't giving up on you. Thanks, Jenny. Thank you. I tell you, an appropriate response to this was is when people get done, we'll just say together, God, we glorify you. Okay? Try that with me. God, we glorify you. Okay, go ahead. Hi, I'm Pat White, and I uh, just found out this week that I had um, cancer, malignant. Um, this is so neat because um, it's in possibly in the lymph glands. They did a, on Monday, they did an, a biopsy and found it there. Um, they think that it could be, they think this could be the uh, secondary. We're praying that it is because I've just lost two of my parents to lung cancer uh, this last year and my little brother to murder. The neat thing is, is that on um, Monday when they did the biopsy, I was really, um, when I was at um, Winter Park Hospital, the um, technician or the doctor told me that not to worry about it. It wasn't cancer. It looked like it was just an infection, like I've been told for about three or four months, and that um, it looked real good. Well, they were supposed to have the test in and within 24 hours. Whenever they didn't come in, I started getting really suspicious. Uh, Wednesday... They told me late afternoon that they had to run some more tests. They'd have the results for me on Thursday. On Thursday uh, late morning, they called with the results. But before they called, 20 minutes before, the Lord told me, He said, Pat, it's going to be serious. It is cancer. It's going to be malignant. But you hang in because there's going to be an awesome surprise for you and those that surround you. And he gave me the scripture in Exodus. I was trying to turn to Deuteronomy because I knew I needed encouragement. And I always find encouragement in Deuteronomy. I love the Old Testament. And the Lord just flipped me back to Exodus. And I had probably four years ago written healing across chapter 14 in Exodus. And I scanned it. And I was trying to find the answers. And I said, Lord, I don't understand this. There's healing here, but... In this, there's no healing, and you're not talking about healing. And he said, just be quiet. I want you to read it, and I want you to read it from your heart and hear what I'm saying. Now, this is so neat because um, in here, the Lord let me see really what this is all about. I feel like this is from me, even though that he's speaking. This is just right after the children of Israel were released from Pharaoh, and Moses was with them, and they were leaving to go through to the promised land. But God didn't send them the shortest route, because he felt like they would be discouraged, and in their discouragement from meeting up with all the enemies, that they would lose heart and go back to Egypt, what was going to really circumvent his whole process in their life. Well, the reason, and I'm going to read this scripture here. Uh, God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines, although that, although that was the most direct route from Egypt to the Promised Land. The reason was that God felt the people might become discouraged by having to fight their way through, even though they had left Egypt armed. He thought they might return to Egypt. Instead, God led them along a route through the Red Sea wilderness. Well, right now, I think I'm going through a wilderness experience. 
But God also showed me um, that this was for his glory because over in 14 it says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after you. Well, the enemy's chasing after me. But I have planned this to gain great honor and glory over Pharaoh and all his armies. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Okay. We'll stay tuned, won't we? Thank you. One more thing. All right. I know I don't want to take any more time. But then the Lord says, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch. And you will see the wonderful way the Lord will rescue you today. The Egyptians you are looking at, you will never see them again. The Lord will fight for you and you won't need to even lift a finger. He told me that 20 minutes before the the doctors ended up calling. And I had to be quiet to listen because I was so busy cleaning house, taking care of all the things that need to be taken care of. So this is an encouragement for us, our family. Thank you. Thank you. God, we glorify you. Let me say just one thing, by the way. I know these these may seem, don't get antsy that these are, are a little bit long. We'll just have two more after LaDonna. But, but you know what? When you're quiet, you hear stuff. That's the, that's the point. And then you share it. That's what you do. And so this is great. Thanks. Good. I'm glad for this opportunity just to praise God for what he's done in me physically as well as spiritually. Um, about six months ago, I was diagnosed as uh, being an insulin-dependent diabetic. And it came as such a shock. And when my doctor was trying to explain to me what was happening, he says, it's like you're going along a cliff and suddenly you're going straight down. And he says, you're on the way down and I just don't know how far you are to the bottom. Um, they put me in the hospital and I never really felt fearful. I, I knew God was with me. I've learned enough through adversity of other types to know that God is faithful and it can be the greatest character building time that you can have. Thankfully, I'm doing great physically. Um, But what he showed me when I was in the hospital and thinking, the nurses and the doctors kept, you know, going through these horrendous lists of all the things that can happen to you and the different things that usually you experience as a diabetic. And I kept saying, but I don't feel that. And I feel this and I felt great. And I had none of the symptoms. They kept, even the (laughs) doctor looked at me and said, you just don't fit the case. But, the blood test showed I was truly in a bad situation. And I thought, as I, I had about two days in the hospital, and they didn't want me to have visitors because they were teaching me a lot, and I had a lot of time to think. And the Lord really impressed on me that, you know, sometimes we think, you know, physically I thought I was great. I had no idea I was in a, in a bad situation. And yet we can do that spiritually too. You know, we can get dressed up for church. We can even do our Bible studies. We can read our Bible. But it's like God was saying, you know, you just have no idea what your spiritual condition is like. And it's truly the blood test. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It shows, you know, where we are with the Lord. I was just so thankful because looking back, I saw how he had truly protected me. If I had not gone to the doctor then, if I had even eaten breakfast that morning, my doctor said he never would have guessed that I had it. And it was like God said, you need to make that appointment. It was, and I did. And I found out just through a fluke thing that I had it. So I really am grateful for him, for his protection, for his faithfulness, and that he sent his son Jesus. Good insight. God, we glorify you. Um, I have to praise God for his persistence with his love. You know, um, for a long time, I like didn't really walk with God at all. And he just he never let up on sending friends that really did love God. And as you find other friends leave you, the friends that God sends you don't. He, uh, he always seems to show that he loves you, and when you do wrong, he'll hit you over the head with a brick. <laughs> and he makes it known that you're going along the wrong path. And, you know, I... For a long time, things went real bad for me. And the only thing I had left to hold on to was God and the things that he gave me. Everything else, everything worldly just has no weight to it. So, Thanks, Jay. Yeah. God, we glorify you. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I'm, my name is Judy, and I am nervous. <laughs> I'm a recovering alcoholic. I spent 28 years in the bowels of alcoholism. And I came to this church because I love life now and I love the people that I meet. 
I praise people every day because God taught me how to do that. I thank Joel for his sermon on silence because since his sermon, I drive my car and I sit in my home alone and in silence and I listen for God to talk to me and he does in so many ways. I work the hotline uh, for AA and a young lady called me recently and I'm supposed to meet her this afternoon to try to help her. I extend myself over and over again because that's what God put me here to do. I was looking in the scriptures because in 2 Corinthians there is a verse that says our greatest strength, God's greatest strength is proven in our weakness and I couldn't find it but I kept coming across one that said if I can quit <laughs> shaking long enough to read it <laughs> um, each one must do as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that you may always have enough of everything and may provide in abundance for every good work. I am so glad I praise the people I meet every day because I know how much they need it, and I know how much my life has been blessed for it. My prayer list goes on and on because I pray for everyone who I find needs prayers. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. God, we glorify you. Listen, this is just just a piece of how God is moving in this body. I went back to my office after the last service and had person after person stop me in the hall and say, I couldn't, make, I couldn't get up there because my knees were shaking too bad. But let me tell you what God's done for me. Tell people. Speak it to people. Because unless we speak this, we get the impression God's not around. And He is. We looked for, we looked for a song to uh, be a part of the closing of this service that was just so um, telling of how um, not only at the beginning of the life of Christ, but also at the beginning of His resurrection, people were surprised by His presence. As we will continue to be surprised as we look for Him, how present He is in all of the aspects of our lives. So we're going to ask uh, for Teresa and Eleanor to come and sing that song. And while they're coming, pray with me. God, thank you for your appearing in our lives. Please forgive us for the times we have been so concentrated on the problems that we've not seen you there. And Father, give us the eyes to see your presence and your working out, even through the problems. Uh, the greater good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Father, we praise you and we glorify you for giving us the um, understanding that you aren't a historical figure. You are very resident and present in our lives. And we listen to this song now at the surprise of the women at the tomb.
first heard those kind of gentle words asking what is your reason for tears and I sobbed in despair my Lord is not there he said child
but I accept it. And I thank you for forgiving my sins. And Jesus, I ask you to come and live in my heart. And make me the kind of person who glorifies God and enjoys Him forever. Amen. Now you can stand for the benediction. Repeat after me, Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. And let us exalt his name together. The service has ended. Go and speak his praises.